It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And what is up? Welcome, man. It is GC Live. You see him right there, Chris Clark, joined by myself, Wes Mitchell. Clint Hammond is the sponsor of this show, ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. If you're in the market for a new home, give Clint a shout. He can help walk you through that mortgage process. Going to tell you a little bit about our other sponsors later on in the show. But for the most part, we are here to break down... um, try to give you some semblance of reasoning. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we're going to help you like deal with the loss on Saturday as well. 48-7 to seven for South Carolina to Georgia. Chris, um, I don't know where you want to start with this thing, man. I, I think maybe we start a little broad and, and get deeper and deeper as we go. I want to talk some recruiting too. I mean – I don't think anybody thought South Carolina was going to win this game, like going in, you know, it, it wasn't one of these situations where necessarily, you know, here for most of the fan base, it felt to me like winning would obviously be very much celebrated, but it wasn't expected at all. I think the frustration right now we're seeing from our subscribers on Gamecock central that I'm seeing from fans and friends that I know, um, Frankly, it's just the way it happened. And, you know, I like I would like to think this is a show, a podcast, a website where we are not going to overreact to one game. Georgia is a phenomenal football team. They did the same thing to Oregon. But we also are not going to turn a completely blind eye to what we have seen, you know, frankly, this past Saturday. But through most of three games so far, as well. Yeah. So, so let's start there. Everything that we say from here on out, I think we should have. Just go ahead and establish up front. We know Georgia is very much looks like an awesome team. We know we know that they are extremely talented, deep, well coached, all, all the things. They're all those things. And so, what we know, as you alluded to, Wes, they spanked Oregon in about the same fashion in week one. Oregon, the next two weeks, has gone on to destroy a poor Eastern Washington team, something like 70-14, to and then beat a ranked BYU team by three touchdowns. So they've done it to good teams. We, we know that. We understand that. Also recognize that does not lessen the pain of what Gamecock fans saw on Saturday. And I think you nailed it. It's kind of the manner in which it happened. Uh, For me, Wes, biggest concern, I think, coming into this game for South Carolina was how the defense was going to match up against Georgia's offense. Georgia's been very explosive. Carolina's defense has struggled uh, in some ways, especially against Arkansas the first two games, and they were coming in super banged up from a starter and a depth standpoint. 
so the biggest frustration I think that we've picked up on, and I can totally see it, is the South Carolina offense, not just in this game against a really good Georgia defense, but just through the first quarter of the season, three games, has not matched what we all feel like that it could be and should be. You know, I, I don't know. The expectations, I'm sure, vary among the fan base. They probably vary from you and I, Wes. But you can't look at the first three games, and you can recognize the competition level and all those things. You can't look at it and say, yeah, this is this is about what we thought the offense would be. You get the sense that there's something lacking. And we can talk about there's all sorts of things to break down within this game and to go – very general and broad for recruiting and the talent gap and, and defense and special teams and all those things. But I sense that's what people want to talk about the most. And so I, I feel like we'll probably spend a good bit of time on there is just the offense. What's wrong with it? Why do you bring in, you know, you bring back plenty of experience. You are healthy there. You bring in some talent, some NFL caliber talent, at least in terms of tools and you've, struggled for much of the year why is that and i think that's what people want to dive into so chris why is that there you go i should have known you'd follow up with that um i know people so you mentioned again at the beginning of the show we're, we're going to try to provide reason i'm sure there's a segment that would like us to say well everything needs to be blown up this and that's terrible it's a complex game it's a complex issue, I'm sure. But if we are going to try to simplify it, Wes, I just don't, you know, South Carolina, they're having trouble executing the basics. And that's been, you, you could not line up against Georgia and say, this is what we are, come stop it. You're not good enough. That there's probably There are very few teams that are good enough, probably, if any to be able to go out there and do that. So there's going to have to be some dress up and take some shots and things like that. But you look at, you know, game one, you can't block Georgia State on the perimeter and you can't block them up front. Game two, you, you do some, you put together some things later in that game and you show enough flashes to where you go, okay, maybe, maybe they'll figure it out as time goes on. Um, but you don't really play that well there. And you turn the football over, you have too many negative plays. And then you got to go try to fix it all by, by playing the number one team in the country and a team that had not given up a touchdown through two games this season. So um, I think it's a complex issue, but what we do know is it's not good enough. And so I think you have to look at, okay, should it be better? We're probably all in agreement that the answer is yes. How much better you can you can start arguing there but it's got to be better. It should be better. So why isn't it? And so I think it goes to, you know, sure. Are players not executing at times? Yeah. But ultimately, you know, you have to be able to put them in positions to where they can succeed. I don't think Spencer Rattler has reached his potential. And so why is that? It, does it need to be easier on him and the other guys? Why are they not executing the basics? How is it being taught? I mean, I think really, Anything, um, any theories or anything like that, I think is on the table and fair game to to talk about. Yeah, man, and I, I think um, certainly a lot of frustration within the fan base, and I am trying to kind of 
make sense of and and I guess put into words the fact that you know South Carolina has played some really good teams and Georgia is going to make a lot of teams look really bad as you said however I think sometimes when you when you don't play good teams you maybe don't find out this early where your deficiencies are like I, I feel like a team like Georgia can kind of expose you a little bit and, uh, and and they certainly did that. And now it's okay. These all these issues may not be completely correctable, but can they be improved on? I, I think is the question. And you know, man, I I think a lot of people went into this season, and you look at the influx of talent, and the big the big question. I think for a lot of us was what are realistic expectations for this team? And I think a lot of us maybe talked ourselves into at least the possibility that this team could take a huge jump forward this season and could be not really compete with Georgia. I don't think anybody was talking about that, but could take a big jump to where, you know, maybe they're in that conversation for second in the East. And, I think the frustration with a lot of fans right now is just you look at the first three games, and it is a long season. Like, things there, – there's going to be some ups to to go along with these downs. And there was a time last year – I mean, think back. Before South Carolina beat Auburn, before they beat Florida, before they won the bowl game, nobody – nobody was predicting them to win those games. So, without going into the why, the how, the all the details of how they did it, nobody was saying that. So, there were some people ready to sort of jump off this train way back then. We got to remember, it is a roller coaster of a season. South Carolina, and we'll get into the big picture, I'm sure, as the week goes on. South Carolina's got to find itself these next two weeks before it gets back into SEC play, correct some of these issues, bring some of the young guys along on defense. But as we're talking about offense, I think the big thing is just that fans are seeing a lot of the same things they saw for a good portion of last year. And, Chris, to me, it goes back right back to just not feeling like you have something you can hang your hat on as an offense. And I think sometimes identity is a word that just gets thrown around Sometimes it's overblown. If you're really good at a lot of things on offense, nobody gives a crap about identity. If you if you can run it, throw it, go downfield, go to the outside, what's your identity? Your identity is just you're good. Nobody yeah. cares about that. But if you struggle, then people are naturally going to say, what is something you can hang your hat on? And I think this has been a common theme. Sometimes things just get repeated over and over, and we just assume they're true because they're being repeated. I don't think this is that. Very clearly, we still don't know what South Carolina can hold their hat on or hang their hat on on offense. And um, before you get into all this creative stuff and you know scheming guys open and tweaking things, adding things, being multiple – you got to get the basics down as well, and it just doesn't feel like a team that has consistently executed the basics. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it. Even I mean, look in twenty twenty, which was a horrific year. 
and South Carolina was not very good on offense, they could at least run the ball. Like you could say, what can you do? And in some games, you could say, well, they can line up under center and run power and run counter. And they could do that. Even when people knew that's about all you could do, you know, effectively. Um, they're, they're just, again, I'll go back to this point. They're struggling to execute the basics. Now, I don't know if you can count playing Georgia in some regard. I think you do have to take the whole picture. And we don't have a whole season yet. We have three games. But some of it, I think, is viewed as a continuation for last year. And, and that's fair. And I do think, by the way, made the point coming into the season that people were underrating the loss of Zaquandre White and Kevin Harris. I'm still there, especially after these first few games. Would that solve everything? No, but they do miss those guys. Um, they they just they're not able to say, hey, we're gonna line up and run this. It's just kind of been all over the place. You're you're not gonna line up against Georgia and say, again, this is what we run. They do have to do some things differently, try to scheme some guys open. Um, but it's just been way too inconsistent. The turnovers, you know, Spencer Rattler has had some turnovers that honestly seem, even looking back at his time at Oklahoma, uncharacteristic. Why is that? Well, I think he's having to press because of the lack of a consistent running game, because of the need to go out there and maybe force some things and try to make some plays because the offense as a whole has not been that productive. So, I think everything, all the negatives have just kind of built on each other, and then you go out there and play an elite team. Now, Wes, one thing is, these next couple weeks, you play Charlotte, who has been horrendous defensively, and you play SC State. You have a chance to get some things corrected. That doesn't mean it'll be solved, even if South Carolina comes out and scores 40 points each against those teams, which I don't think anybody would pick right now. But even if they did, you do get a reprieve at a really, really good time. Um, but man, it's just, it's almost hard. Like, you, I almost just don't even know where to start because there's just, there's so much here, you know, offensively. Yeah. And I, I think, man, against the next two teams, I may run 10 plays, like literally 10. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think right. you've got to just, and they're probably, I imagine if if the offensive staff was on this podcast right now, they'd be saying, "Look, we have we've been simplifying it, like we've been cutting it back, we've been cutting it down." And um, you know, I, I do think they've taken a lot less into the games this year than they did last year. I think that is accurate to say, but also for whatever reason, there is a disconnect on the execution that has been present. Um, you know, dating back to a, a lot of last year, I, I think. Um, just the efficiency of executing the offense the way it is meant to be executed, whether that's, uh, you know, bus in protection, whether that's um, a guy, you know, being a little bit off on his route, not worrying, knowing where the football is going. I mean, when you do the pro-style stuff, man, and I, I would put pro-style in quotes, I don't even know what that means anymore. But what I think of as pro-style is shifts, motions, lots of different formations, substitutions, Sometimes it just feels like you can't get in a rhythm. Like it felt like there were lots of substitutions and packages and personnel packages, I'm saying. And it's like you run a play, then you run guys off and you run guys back on. It's just hard for the guys, it appears, to find a rhythm. 
and get going. And um, the really good offense is just rhythm. It's the, it's the only way I know how to say it. They find a rhythm. They get comfortable. And you just have not – even against Arkansas, Chris, it was more – for the most part, their scoring drives, it was explosive plays. You know, it wasn't yep. that you just found a rhythm and kind of chipped away and and sort of um, – moved down the field. They did that a couple times and actually settled for, you know, for field goals in, in those situations. So as much as people, you, you know, I can't remember if you just said it or somebody on the chat said it. I know Gamecock fans are not fans of Mike Bobo. Um, it is an old school offense. It was an, it was not always fun to watch, but it was, Hey, this is what we do. We're going to hang our hat on this scheme. Mm -hmm. So, man, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just – I still think we're sitting here saying, you know, what is this scheme? And um, I get it. That sucks. And it nobody would care what the scheme was if if it was going well. And, again, Georgia's going to make a lot of people look crappy. But yep. it hasn't just been Georgia. Yeah, I, and I think, Wes, the, the – frustration lies within not losing to Georgia, not everybody understood. You're not going to go in there and light up the scoreboard against Georgia, even though they lost a lot of guys off last season's defense. I still don't think they're ultimately going to be as good this year as they were in, in 2021. Could be wrong. We've kind of looked wrong about that so far. I don't think people expected that. But is it reasonable to look at it and expect South Carolina, given the guys that they've got, to, to move the ball some? Yes, it is. And so it's not that, oh, well, you didn't score, you know, whatever, 27, 28, 21 points against Georgia. You just they just really, you know, again, we saw a repeat. No points in the first quarter. And then you give up three touchdowns in a row to the other team. And that's the second time in a week it's happened. You look at the fact that in 16 games in 2021 and 2022, this team has not scored any points, none, zero, in eight, half of those games. We, I recognize the schedule this year. I recognize the quarterback issues, the offensive issues, et cetera, et cetera, last year, but that pretty alarming stat, right? So I think that the what you always want to see on a team – especially when you know that they're not as good. Everybody knew South Carolina wasn't as good as Georgia from the moment they lined up before they lined up. But are you maximizing what you have? You know, we talked about that a lot last year. South Carolina with Pete Limbo and that special teams unit last season, they maximized what they had. They made a lot of plays on special teams. They were very solid. Statistically, they were one of the better special teams units in the country for most of the year defensively they had some big struggles last season but they maximized i mean look at the secondary last season way very low expectations there for the most part they were able to maximize that unit so you fast forward to this season and you go okay quarterback you can't say oh there's four different starting quarterbacks or there's some deficiencies here spencer rattler can make any throw we could we could have him we could be live from the field right now and say, Spencer, make this throw, and he could make it. You know, you've got Austin Stogner. 
You've got Jaheim Bell. You've got Juice Wells. Got Josh Van, who had a nice season last year. You've got a veteran line. You've got some capable backs. Are you elite? No. But do you have enough to where you can be more consistent in the first two games and at least move the ball and challenge Georgia offensively in week three? I think so. And so now you have to figure out why is that and and can it get better? I think it can get better because I feel like that there's enough talent on this offense to be able to challenge some teams going forward. So that is the big question. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a little bit – it's premature to just sit here and look at three games and say uh, throw out the rest – of the season, you know, like you, you, nobody's going to sit here and say it can't be fixed because, Absolutely. you know, if you didn't have players, that would be one thing, but you do have players. And I, I think compared to Georgia, probably you don't like Georgia, Georgia is stacked. I, I remember Chris every, every so often you watch a team come into Williams Bryce stadium in person. Um, I remember thinking this way back, um, like watching 2001 Florida, that Steve Spurrier team come in there. Um, you know, one of the best South Carolina teams in school history, and Florida just dismantles them. Um, 2003 LSU, I think. Is that 2002 or 2003? I think it was their national title team um, under Saban. I saw them in person, and I just remember thinking, that's the biggest, fastest, most physical defense I had ever seen at the time. Uh, you know, sometimes you just watch opponents, you're like, all right, they're they're elite. I had that feeling after watching Georgia. Like they are truly and not that that's a surprise, but like, I'm not telling anybody anything. I'm just saying they were what we all thought they were coming in. However, you do as a fan base want to go into a game and at least feel like you made them sweat a little bit. And, um, you know, Chris, we were talking on 107.5. When was the game over? The fact that South Carolina gave up 21 points off the bat, You, they weren't fluke points. They weren't fluke plays. They weren't. It wasn't that just something weird happened. You gave up the 21 points, and you got stopped on offense for three straight drives as well. And everybody kind of looked around and was like, this, this ain't happening. So, I don't know, man. I, I guess this is where we maybe can turn the attention to the defense a little bit. I sat there saying South, South Carolina was just outmatched, outmanned. Um, I don't know what is fair or unfair to expect from a, a group that's, like, you have to acknowledge that they were missing five guys while also acknowledging that there was very, very little resistance at all to what Georgia was able to do. Yeah. Again, another combo thing where Georgia, it was a combination of they made several plays where it's just our guys better than your guy, right? I mean, Stetson Bennett, great example. Out on the edge, one-on-one with Gamecock defenders, and he was able to extend plays, make big runs make guys miss. We saw that several times. We saw Brock Bowers, the one-on-one, the the catch in the end zone. Uh, I believe that was against OD Fortune. Honestly, great coverage. He's right there. 
He gets his hand. I think he got his hand on the ball. Brock Bowers, I'm better than you. Tip your Brock Bowers, best tight end in the country. Okay, that's probably going to happen against some elite teams. Um, so they had some plays like that. But they're, they're also, I mean, you're sitting there watching the game, and it's just kind of almost leisurely for Georgia. You know, they just they run some plays, guys open, little you know, dink it off to him. Here's 12 yards. You know, South Carolina put up some resistance at times in the running game on some plays, but you know, Georgia never they didn't get behind the sticks a lot. Um, they didn't have to put the ball in danger a lot. And so yeah, that 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 part more, Wes, is is honestly a little bit more of what I expected. I, I was not all that surprised with some of the issues that we saw out of the Gamecock defense in the first couple weeks, especially Arkansas. And then knowing what they were up against from an injury standpoint, I I was concerned going into the game of, okay, this could be a first three drives is three touchdowns type of thing, and now you're basically out of the game in the second quarter. And it played out that way. So, uh, look, the gap in terms of the talent was evident. I was sitting there going, there should probably be more resistance than this. But – I, I don't know. That's one again. I don't really have an answer for it, other than I, I do think the count the talent gap was on display. I think it was on display that South Carolina was missing some key guys. Depth. Nicky Minwari. I mean, a warrior. He's all over the place. Had to leave the game injured at one point. Comes back. Fourteen solo tackles, which is indicative of the type of player that he is, but also probably not a great sign, right? That that your freshman safety who's banged up has 14 solo tackles and looks like your best guy on the field right now. Well, it, it was different plays, but the result, it very much looked like Arkansas where it's just like, wow, 21, cleaning it up again, um, you know, dragging a guy down. And, you know, it, it's impressive by him. Like he, he actually quite literally – is probably the best player on defense right now. Um, like, I don't really think that's an exaggeration based on what we've seen through three games. He has been South Carolina's best player on defense. And some guys just have it. They have the it factor. It doesn't matter if they're a true freshman. They just come in and they have a knack for making plays. That's been Nick so far. The problem is, you know, what, what does that say about the rest of your defense? It says that, you know, and in this case, you've been missing a lot of guys or guys have not been playing to their potential. And, um, you know, that that's that's not good. That's a sad reality. You know, there's been a little bit of talk about the lack of turno- turnovers forced. Chris, I think to create turnovers, though, you have to have – you have to have situations where you are putting hits on the football – you have to have situations where the ball is in the air and mm-hmm. it can be caught by the receiver, the DB. Like they have to be contested. And for one, Georgia's scheme, like they made it look so easy. Um, Beckham chiming in saying, Georgia just killed us in space. Uh, excuse me. Oh, my box score wants to yell at us. Um, all right. So, Georgia killed us in space, sideline to sideline, Beckham says. They did. They they were running South Carolina's linebackers back and forth. And 
South Carolina was not able to get the angles they needed to stop those plays. And Georgia was able to block on the edge. And, you know, you could see South Carolina run some of the same similar plays when South Carolina was on offense. It has a different result because Georgia is getting sideline to sideline faster with their backers and their cornerbacks are able to push the receivers backwards as opposed to getting pushed backwards themselves. So it wasn't a complicated offense. They were doing this. They were just executing against South Carolina's defense incredibly well. And um, I thought they wore them down. I thought they were faster than South Carolina. I thought that was evident, like team speed overall for Georgia. And that's what created, you know, some of these big plays. It seemed like South Carolina was playing more zone than we're used to them playing. Um, I don't know if that statistically was true. It just felt like that to me. And uh, probably were concerned about matching up, uh, I think. But I don't know, man. Tackling issues were kind of there again. Angles in the secondary. Um, you know, big plays becoming bigger plays because of two missed tackles on, I think, the 80-yarder 80, 80 um, there down the seam. And then combine it with what you said, just sometimes really good coverage. There was a play by Stetson Bennett where he's getting hit on a bootleg, somehow gets the ball out. Then somehow the Georgia receiver literally picks the ball up off the ground without it hitting the ground and makes a catch. Those are back-breaking. Um, but there just weren't enough contested plays for you to have turnovers at this point, I think. Yeah, was that the Brock Bowers play too, Wes? Another one he made? I think he had so many. I, I think it was him. Like, I, I blacked out. I don't know. No, he he did have a play like that where Stetson rolled out and he yeah, he scooped it up. I mean, and, and then you look at you look at the the touchdown that Bowers had, complete busting coverage. I mean, literally he's just lined up as a tight end. And he just goes right up the middle. And there's just a bust. Carolina just kind of parts there. And it's an easy throw. I mean, literally, you could have made the throw, Wes. I mean, no offense. So he's right there. And and even then, that's maybe, okay, maybe that should be 15, 20 yards. And he turns it into what it ended up becoming. So I, I, I did get the sense. I, I watched, Wes, you had the great observation that the game was on the sky cam. And I watch that. I always recommend if it's available to check out the Sky Cam because you really do get kind of a different perspective. Um, really enjoyed watching it that way. And it revealed some things. And one of the things that I saw there was Georgia just looked, like you said, team speed. They beat Carolina to spots. Uh, Georgia's receivers blocking on the perimeter were animals. Uh pushing Carolina back, their defensive backs. And, of course, Carolina was playing, I think, four freshmen played in the secondary in this game, Wes. Uh, three of them in very prominent roles with Eamon Mori and D.Q. Smith and Quan Banks. And then Floyd and uh, Keenan Nelson played later in the game. You know, they, they just frequently beat Carolina to spots. There were plays we talked talked earlier about not being able to execute the basics. There was one play where Carolina was running. a. It was a run play to the right. They had three linemen, I think a tight end and two linemen or something like that moving to the right. None of them blocked an end that was just there, and he made the play. You know, just simple things like that. And then you count all the plays where it was a 
we're better than you play by Georgia or we're faster than you play Georgia. There are a bunch of those, but there were, again, there were a bunch of opportunities that South Carolina did legitimately have that they were not able to capitalize on. And that I think is the, is the issue that more people are having that it's okay. When you see Brock Bowers, Randy Moss, somebody in the end zone, you, you can understand that. But when you're missing opportunities that are there against an elite team or against anybody, that's what people have, I think, the hardest time with. And we've seen a lot of that in the first few weeks. Definitely. Somebody asked, how do you watch the Sky Cam? So if you go to watch ESPN app, um, I just pulled up on the iPad, um, hit replay, and then go to Saturday's games. And one of the listings is a separate game, not normal South Carolina versus Georgia. You'll say uh, Sky Cam or Sky Cam Cast or something, Sky Cast, I think. And, um, you can find it on there. So, I don't know, man. So, moving forward with this defense, uh, injury report, they do expect to get or hope to get, uh, from what Beamer said on Sunday, several of those guys back, uh, you know, Boogie Huntley back in the middle, Cam Smith. I think getting Cam back, uh, you know, will certainly help. Obviously, we know Jordan Strong, Mo Caba are uh, are out for the season. So, it, it is what it is at those positions, man. I, I think – much like the offense, uh, these next two weeks, they're going to have to find ways to get right. They're going to have to bring these freshmen along. The freshmen are going to have to help, um, you know, even more so, I think, because now you have guys who were maybe thirds team or now second teamers. We saw, you know, we saw B.J. Gibson get in the game a bunch at safety because Devonnie Reed was out. Um, D.Q. Smith gets to start at nickel, had primarily played, at least as far as we know, just safety, um, you know, to that point. So that, that shows you how far, like, down the the line they were having to get. But this is, you know, we'll get into Charlotte later in the week. This is a Charlotte team that has put up some points. Um, I, I'm not going to say – I don't, I don't want to scare everybody yet, but they, they have – they can move the football. So the defense is not going to have any time to just kind of – like, they, they can't get beat twice by Georgia is what I'm saying. They're going to have to very quickly bring some of these young guys along. Yeah, I mean, you look at, again, you, you can't always do the transitive property or the this is what that team did against that team that you're playing next week type of thing. But for everyone riding off Charlotte, we did hear from some people at the beginning of the year, Oof, they're not very good. But the one thing they can do is score <laughs> And they put up 42 in a win on Georgia State, which has played South Carolina. And the Gamecocks did not fare that well against uh, against Georgia State in terms of scoring points. So, you know, it's a great time to get some guys back defensively if indeed that does happen. I mean, the players that they're missing, they have missed. They've missed the two starters in Strawn and Kaba, but they've also missed, you know, Boogie Huntley and R.J. Roderick and those guys. They need those guys out there. Um now, there will be a, a talent differential, for sure, in, in the advantage of South Carolina this time. Uh, but they're still going to be, from a depth perspective, not great, no, no matter who the opponent is. So, we'll have to clean things up there. And like I said earlier, it is a prime opportunity and an absolute necessity that South Carolina can not treat this as some self-scout bye week. You've got to play two opponents, and you got to worry about going and beating them. And if South Carolina doesn't play – you know, if they don't play very well offensively and defensively these next couple of weeks, we're going to have some really rough 
<laughs> GC lives, Wes. Uh, but this is you do get a break in terms of the overall schedule these next two weeks with Charlotte and SC State. This is a point where you should be able to come in and do more of what you want to do, whatever that may be offensively. Yep. Uh, Carolina Titans says Boogie, Zach, and Jordan aren't living up to the hype. Um, I don't know if that's fair, man. Um, I mean, Boogie's only played a game and a half. He got um, injured at Arkansas, did get to come back, but was playing hurt, did not play this past week. Um, Pickens has probably been one of their better players on defense, I think. Um, and depth on the line, I, I think the edge spot uh, is actually one of the positions we were maybe most concerned about them having unproven players as far as depth goes at that position. They've really been hit at spots they could ill afford to be hit at, but that is football. It happens. You can hope. You can wish. It doesn't happen, but sometimes it just happens that way. Chris, let's talk a little recruiting. Of course, uh, you have uh, Nick Harbor, who took his official visit to South Carolina. Um, Chad Simmons has spoken with him. We got some good stuff from him on GamecockCentral.com. Probably one of the biggest questions we're always asked is, um, you know, what what does the game mean for a guy on his official visit? And, you know, in the case of this, Chris, I, I think important to remember that official visits are more about seeing the coaches, getting an idea of what the plan is for you, seeing if you fit. A lot of times it's just as much about the parents as it is about the kid, um, making sure that you're, um, you know, everything you as a parent see as important to a decision is kind of covered at that school. You know, but let's be honest, it, it would have been a much better, I'm sure, experience if South Carolina had competed a bit more with Georgia as well. Um, Harbor, though, to keep it, to, to use a track and field uh, reference here, I mean, this is definitely going to be a marathon with him rather than a sprint anyway. It is. Um, you look at the fact that he's going to have other official visits scheduled. I think it's Michigan and LSU next, West Miami may get one. Probably going to take this recruitment into December. May not even sign until the late signing period in February. We'll see. But the, the overall point is this isn't a guy that's looking to commit now. And Harbor's a really, really sharp kid. Um, high on academics. His family's high on academics. Um, he has siblings that have all you know, gone to college. So they're all, they're very concerned about that aspect of it. And so the point is, would it have been better? It, let's say this was a night game where South Carolina is playing a top five opponent. They come out and play great. Everybody's in the stands till the end and they win. Would that have been better? Sure. But a performance like this and the atmosphere later in the game, it's not something that submarines your chances with a guy like Nick Carver, who's looking at a lot more than, hey, just walking in somewhere and going, well, let me see what the crowd's like. You know, there's so it goes so much deeper with him because he's got relationships at South Carolina. Shane Beamer's been recruiting him since he was basically a high school freshman. He's got a great relationship there. Um, you look at academics, you look at track, and he got a more in-depth look at both of those things. There's just a lot of different factors there, and, and South Carolina's done a good job with all those things. Now, they're going to have to hold off those other schools I mentioned. I would certainly help if they have a better, you know, the, the better you perform on the field, the not easier, but it certainly helps you on the recruiting trail, the better you can play. 
But he seems to like the plan they've put together for him, and the feedback on the visit seemed to be really, really good, uh, which is a positive for the Gamecocks. Yeah, go check that out on GamecockCentral.com. You can still subscribe for 10 bucks for a year. Um, again, five-star athlete Nicholas Harbor seems more and more like the conversation is for offense with Harbor from what he said. You know, they, they're recruiting for both ways and for both sports, but um, just seems like the conversation has slowly shifted more towards making plays on the offensive side of the ball and uh, spent a lot of time with Marshawn Lloyd, spent a lot of time with uh, Pup Howard, the 2023 four-star linebacker commitment, and also spent some time with some of the track guys, which I think was uh, obviously very, very important for Harbor's recruitment. Chris, I know you updated our story this morning with some recruiting reaction. Um, any any other guys you want to mention, uh, either that you heard from? I know we confirmed some other guys that that came in. They they got uh, Mazio Bennett in again. They got Cam Pringle in again. Got Josiah Thompson in. Um, Jaden Bradford, the four star quarterback, was there. Uh, really, a bunch of out of state guys too, man. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna lead off with those guys that you mentioned. I mean, we talked about that going into the Georgia game and that this was another opportunity, right, to get some of these in-state guys, Bennett, Pringle, Thompson, Bradford, you can kind of still count as a de facto in-state guy being from Chapin, right? Um, another opportunity to get those guys in. There's there's long-standing relationships there and more and more opportunity to get FaceTime with these guys, get them around the program, get them comfortable and regardless of outcome on the field, you know, that's always a positive. Um, some other guys to mention, USC did have some, like you said, out-of-staters who are, you know, in the 2024 class and beyond. Zion Reagan's out of Georgia. Uh, another four-star, Micah Gilbert, who's out of Charlotte. Both had good things to say about the visit. Uh, one of the country's best, 2026. That makes me feel old, Wes. Prospects out of Buford, Georgia. Bryce Perry Wright was in there. Uh, Brandon Riemann out of New Jersey, another guy who's got a nice offer list from the 2024 class. And Nathaniel Owusu-Boteng also, uh, he out of uh, the Northeast picked up a Gamecock offer while on campus. So a bunch of guys there, and um, we'll, we'll have more throughout the week, I'm sure, on GamecockCentral.com. Yeah, a bunch of guys in, and especially the younger guys. I mean, they really truly aren't worried about one game. Although, again, you want to – it's kind of one of those things where certainly it's better if you compete and play well. It's even better if you knock off the number one team in the country, you know, but especially these young guys who are in-staters that have been on campus. I mean, some of them probably over 10 times now already. I think it's just more about getting them back around your coaches and getting them more and more familiar with the program, familiar with the guys that would be coaching them at South Carolina. Um, Chris, I don't know, man. I don't. I we may we may be cutting this one short right now. I feel like we're just going to be repeating ourselves for the final fifteen minutes. Do you have anything else to add about this game? In some ways, I think South Carolina. I was listening to the, a little bit of the radio broadcast the other day. Tommy um, Tommy Sugg said. You obviously want to, if you're inside the program, you want to learn from this. You want to break down the film. You want to, you know, fix your issues. You also have to find a way to flush this game. Mm -hmm. We knew at some point they were going to face adversity. And 
they are facing their adversity head on now. And we saw the program last year. I would say face adversity, adversity very well. Like that was a strength of this program. That is a strength of the culture Beamer has brought here. Now you have added new players. You have a bunch of new people in this program right now that were not here last year. So now I think the test regroup, not just from an X's and O's, not just from a schematic or play calling standpoint, regroup from just an overall standpoint, build these next two weeks. We always knew the season was going to come down to can you beat some Missouris, some Vanderbilts, some Kentuckys, and that's still ahead of them. It is. Um, uh, last season, there were some highs, Auburn, Florida, North Carolina, which was a good thing because it was right at the end of the year. You got to carry that throughout the entire offseason. But there were a lot of lows, you know, Tennessee, A&M, Clemson, almost losing to Vandy, you know, all those things. Uh, and so I think the goal this year is, you know, try to stack more of those good moments. I don't think that there should be this sense of shock that South Carolina is one and two. They could have played much better against Georgia and lost and played better against Arkansas and still lost. I do think the feeling among the fan base would be different, though. I think there's different types of one and two. And certainly people would be a lot more thrilled if they were two and one. But you really can't – you can't let that define the rest of the season. It stinks for sure. Um, there's a lot to get fixed. There's a lot that has not been nearly good enough relative to what it should be or what we thought it would be. And I think mostly when we say that, we're probably talking about the offense, right? But they do have a chance now sandwiched in between the rest of the schedule that's more of the question mark. You know, you could have said going into this year, okay, two and one versus one and two, and there's a big difference in that. But that's kind of what people thought. It's one of those two things for the most part is that you thought one and two or you taught two and one. The rest, the the remaining three quarters of the schedule, that's going to tell the story about what this team does and how they're remembered. And so now what you have is Charlotte and SC State, two games you should win, but you're going to have to improve. Go win those. Get those positive vibes back. Build some more confidence. And then what looms after that? You got to go to what appears to be a quite good Kentucky game in one of your – will South Carolina be favored? Probably not. But you could say that's a very important game at the minimum. Maybe you, you consider it a swing game. But you got at Kentucky. Then you got to buy A&M, Missouri, Vandy, Florida, Tennessee, Clemson. There's some opportunities in there. And so you do have to flush this one. And for Shane Beamer and his staff – They've got to find a way to make sure that they're maximizing what they have for the remainder of this season. No doubt, man. Uh, and Mark, uh, Mark's struggling over here. I think Mark's been been yelling in the chat for the last two weeks. Uh, hey, Mark. Mark says we're experiencing adversity with no promise. That's the thing about adversity, though. You, while you're in the adversity, you don't really feel like you're you're not guaranteed the promise at the end. That's the point of the adversity. If you knew that it was going to pay off at the end, it'd be a lot easier to go through. So, um, you know, maybe Mark, if you need to, we can extend the GC um the GC couch here. We're we're here for you all. Um I know it's tough. I get it. It's rough. 
you you had high hopes. Um, we're learning this team has not played as well as we maybe all thought they would. But a long season ahead, and uh, we'll see where this thing takes us. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Um, but before, Chris, we get out of here, got to tell everybody about our friends at Liberty Tax. So don't go anywhere yet. Um, let me find my Liberty Tax graphic, Chris. Uh, so they can overcome their tax ID, 803-462-5576. Uh, if you filed an extension or if you need to file an extension, that that deadline is actually coming up very, very soon. Um, so uh, make sure you get that handled. I believe that is October 15th. If you filed an extension, you have to have your taxes in by then. So hit up our friends at Liberty Tax. They have three locations all in the Columbia area. They have one in Irmo. They have one that's in actual Columbia, and they have one in Lexington as well. Our friend uh, Larry at Liberty Tax and his team can help walk you through this process. If you own a business and you need tax roll or payroll services, um, if you have an LLC, any type of business, uh, our friends at Liberty Tax can help you get all that set up so that you don't have to deal with it. If you owe the IRS money, they can help walk you through that process as well. 803-462-5576. Uh, hit up our friends at Liberty Tax. Chris, that's all I got, man. What about you? Yep, that's all I got too. We will be back later this week with more. Back with more on Wednesday, the Tuesday nighttime show with our boy Yuva will be uh, Tuesday at 7 as well. So, all right, y'all. Have a good one. Hang in there. Better times ahead, we hope. He's Chris. I'm Wes. We'll see you Wednesday.